It is a great uh, pleasure for me to be here, and, and I'm no stranger to these seats. Um, my daughter, as you mentioned, Kayla, does dance here and, and has been so blessed uh, to work alongside of Sarah. She's been a tremendous mentor to my daughter, and we're so appreciative of that. She loves to dance. She's a beautiful dancer. She has danced since she was a little girl. And uh, when we moved into this community, uh, she found you know this this studio and has been participating here for many many years now. And uh, so oftentimes when I'm here, uh, Easter and Christmas and all these different productions that you guys do, I get to sit and I'm always here early and I want to get a good a a corner seat because I'm a proud papa and I'm always videoing and live streaming and everything else. And uh, uh, so yeah, I'm I'm proud of my girl and she's an incredible blessing to us. Uh, I do also want to say hello to Pastor Peter. I don't know where you're somewhere you know. Far away, uh, we love you, uh, Pastor Peter, and I have a friendship, and, and uh, I feel this way about him. I believe he feels this way about me, but uh, I really enjoy the time that he and I have when we get together. We meet and grab a sandwich for lunch or whatever, and he'll share what God has laid on his heart, and I'll share what God has laid on mine, and and he sharpens me, and and I he's so much taller than I. How can what can I offer him? You know, what I mean, and he's got that great accent. So, but uh, I really do love that man, and, and uh, I love the fact that your church uh, is, uh, has a, a vision for the community. Uh, when you think about churches in the area, there's not a lot of churches that are inviting uh, other pastors from the area to come into their pulpit and share, um, and, and that's a shame, quite honestly. We are going to spend forever together. We may as well learn to get along now, right? Amen. Amen. And uh, I, I uh, uh, you know, it was easy. Pastor Peter said to me, will you come speak? And I said, when? Like this week, next week, you, you just let me know when I'm there. And then I said to him, will you come speak at my church? And he's like, well, let me see. And just scrolls, uh, September, October, you know. So uh, at any rate, we will be blessed when Pastor Peter comes and, and speaks at Purpose Church. And, and we would love to have you come visit but we want you to come home where God has called you, okay? Uh, over the last few uh, weeks, you guys have had some awesome uh, messages taught here. I took the time this week, as I often do. I am I, bivocational. Uh, I have a, a company. I have a pest control company. I also own a landscaping company. Uh, I spent uh, uh, more than uh, a dozen years uh, in the produce industry growing and, and uh, selling produce all over the world. I've been very blessed to experience a lot of third world countries uh, through the eyes of produce. And, and that's what your pastor was saying this, this morning. But as I drive around, uh, in terms of our kindred spirit, uh, but as I drive around all day every day, and I'm blessed to be able to do that, I listen to teaching tapes. I enjoy being filled, and I enjoy hearing the gospel from lots of other perspectives. And so I listened to the teaching from Pastor Mark just a few weeks ago when he was talking about cultural uh, uh, poverty mindset. And uh, then last week, uh, I heard the first service. I didn't get to hear the second service, but uh, that sweet Spanish lady that just shared really, uh, again, spoke deep into my heart uh, regarding just uh, generational curses and things that might hinder us, uh, whether you want to believe it or not. I always tell my congregation, hey, look, gravity is real. If you don't believe it, I'll just step off the edge here and you watch me plummet to the earth. It's going to happen, guaranteed. The Word of God is real. It is true. Uh, and, and if you choose not to believe it, you have that freedom. God's given you that. But if you do choose to believe it, if you choose to engage in it, it will change your life and you will become more powerful than you ever imagined. 
And so today we begin as a church uh, a new series, and the title of this series for this month is Be Made Whole. When Pastor Peter uh, sent that over to me, uh, I had already begun writing this message. Uh, He had let me know weeks and weeks ago that I was going to have the privilege of coming and being here today, and I began to prepare this uh, message, and uh, when he sent over the series that you were in, and he said to me, look, you can preach whatever you want. I'm not going to tell you what the Holy Spirit's saying, uh, but, but this is the title, this is the topic that we're, we're heading into, and I was like, wow, how cool is God? Uh, go figure, the Holy Spirit is on the same page at my church, at his church, and in Scotland, and in Paris, and all these other things, and, and this topic, Be Made Whole, fits perfectly with the message that the Lord has given me. Um, and, and then the, the second thing uh, that, that, you know, the, the poverty mindset uh, sermon that you guys have just come through, that also was the intro to today's message for me. And, and it's really weird because they don't link very well, but you'll see why uh, they do in this particular message. Uh, so when Pastor uh, gave me this title of poverty, excuse me, uh, Be Made Whole, I began to think, what does that look like, Be Made Whole? And, and the first thing I thought about was physical health. And I personally have had a battle with cancer. Uh, four years ago, I was diagnosed with prostate cancer. So men, get your PSA tested. Get your blood work done, man. I'm telling you, it's an inexpensive expensive, a non-evasive test, and thankfully, the Lord led me to a great doctor who did this test on me, and ultimately, it turned out that I was a significant cancer incubator, uh, so we got that taken care of, but I thought about being made whole, and I thought about physical health, and then, and then I thought about being made whole, and I thought about mental health. I've never seen society at the place that it is today regarding mental health. We see people struggling more than ever with depression, with ADD. ADHD, all these FDA, USDA, I mean, everyone's got everything these days. It's crazy. And, and what is that? I think it's this garbage food reading. You need to eat more of Pastor Mark's produce, all right? That's what you, you got to work on. But when I think about uh, addiction, I think about the lack of focus, uh, and I think about cultural things. Pastor Mark spoke uh, just two weeks ago uh, on, again, this cultural mindset, and and I can relate. Uh, My wife is Spanish, and uh, her family is very, very Spanish, and there's this this, this whole culture that comes with that, right? If you marry into a Spanish family, you you know what that's like. And uh, so uh, that, that, that mindset that comes with that, if it doesn't align with the Word of God, it will hold you back. It will hinder you. And Pastor Mark's message, if you weren't here, go back on your website, look at that, listen to that. It will bless you. Um, and, uh, and then the last thing I thought about was financial health. So again, I'm thinking about be made whole, uh, physical health, mental health, uh, financial health, and spiritual health. When I thought about this financial health thing, I felt like I needed to share something quickly with you guys. And what a coincidence, your series last month happened to be on that. So here's the bridge. In uh, the book of uh, Malachi, uh, God gives us an incredible uh, word, and he says in chapter 3, verse 10, he says, bring your job, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house. Okay, so, so, so pause here for one second. I didn't use this analogy in the first service. I meant to, but, but listen, I, I could use to lose a few pounds. I didn't used to struggle with weight, but I'm 51 now, and now I struggle with weight. And, and so I was thinking just recently, we've got this incredible uh, per, uh, personal trainer, and she's off the charts brilliant. She had a baby last night. Jennifer Hook is her name. We love her. And uh, she goes to our church. She writes a blog on our website and all this kind of stuff. We love it. And, and so she's an expert. And so, so I, I think to myself, you know, I really need to engage with her, and I 
I need to, like, just let her tell me what to do, and I, and I just need to do it, right? Because she's a professional. She knows how to get results in this category. How foolish would I be if she said to me, listen, you need to get up in the morning, you need to eat this, then you need to do this, actually, then you need to go here, you need to do this, and, and then you, you'll end up here. If my heart is to end up here, how foolish would I be to not do the things that she's instructed me to do? Many of you will hire a personal trainer, will go to a gym, will we'll engage with a professional. If you're a baseball player, basketball player, football player, or a cheerleader, or dancer right here at Northwest, you're going to take instruction because it's going to grow you, it's going to sharpen you, it's going to take you to the place you claim that you want to go. The Word of God is a lamp unto our feet. It is a light unto our path. If you want to know how to get where God has intended for you to go, you've got to do what God has called for you to do. And that is spend time in his word, yield yourself to the Holy Spirit that he might lead you, that he might guide you, that he might direct you. And then you will have the results that you want for your life. Because if you want God's kingdom to come and you want God's will to be done, when you align with those things, you will begin to experience the blessings of God. It's a law. It's like speeding down, uh, you know, the, uh, Clark Ono Coey, right? You, you break the law, there's a consequence. You obey the law, there's a reward. You get where you're going. It's the same with the Word of God. So when we listen to the Word of God, and it talks about money. Now, listen, I want you to, I, I mentioned that I was bivocational for this reason. I work hard. And, and, I, and I get this money, and I've got four kids, all four are drivers, three of them are going to be in college this year, very expensive household. Did I mention I'm married to a Spanish woman? <laughs> Love her, only kidding. She's really not that expensive. But I can relate to you. Please don't look up here and go, oh, he's a pastor, so of course he's going to say, give my money. And this is the part of church where they talk about money, and I hate when they talk about money. Man, that's a lie from the devil, and here's why. That would be like, you know, somebody getting up here and talking about health and telling you that it's important to eat fruits and vegetables because they're good for you. And you go, ah, oh, that's a lie from the devil. I rebuke that. I don't want that. Well, you can rebuke that. You can reject that. And you can eat all the garbage you want. And guess what? When you're my age, 46, and you end up with cancer, you kind of figure out how it got there. Okay, so if you want the results and the blessings of God, tie into his word and be obedient. I have tested this and it is working flawlessly in my life. When I take the seed and I place it in the earth and I cover it up with soil and I wait patiently on the process of germination to occur when the sun shines on and the rain hits it and eventually that little sprout pops up, that one little seed flowers and blossoms and produces an incredible harvest thus saith the word of the Lord. Right here in Malachi, bring, your job, bring the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house and prove. So now God is saying, test me. Like, like the physical fitness lady saying to me, hey, do this, 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 and this, and you're gonna start losing weight. Try it, prove me. That's what the word of God is saying here. And, and, and herewith saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven and begin to pour you out a blessing that there will not even be room enough to contain it. Does it raise your hand in here if you're looking for a blessing that's bigger than you can contain. Anybody? A couple of you? Awesome. No, all of you, it looked like to me. So you want the end result. I want to have washboard abs, right? What is that called, a seven pack, eight pack, 10 pack in my case? I want that, 
but I've got to do what it takes to get me there. And the scriptures say, when we bring the tithe, he will open the windows of heaven, pour out this blessing. And then he goes on in verse 11 and says something very important. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. He will not destroy the fruits of your ground. Neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field. Thus saith the word of the Lord. Please be obedient when it comes to the mindset of giving there's this silly principle that we've, that we've all heard. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Well, that's not silly. It's real. When you have the opportunity to bless somebody else, it's incredible the, the benefits that you feel, how good it makes you feel to serve. You ever been on a short-term mission trip, gone to a third-world country, and experienced the opportunity to give to people that didn't have some of the stuff that you've got? Incredible blessing. I highly recommend every one of you take a missions trip if you have the opportunity. Please be faithful in your giving. God's gonna provide for this church. He has done so beautifully and he will continue to do so. The work that the Lord has for this church must go on. It will go on. There's lots of people that are hurting in this community, lots of people that are dying, lots of people that are lost, people pondering suicide even as we preach this message in here. And you are the conduit. You are the one who takes this message into the streets, into your jobs, into your schools, into your classrooms, into your local coffee shop, whatever it might be. You're the one that invites people to come out and hear the gospel and experience this transformation that occurs. We're going to be speaking on that today as we, as we look at the second element of Be Made Whole, and that is spiritual health as I think about uh, all of the examples of Scripture, I studied the life of Paul, and, and next month I'm going to uh, be sharing a, a little bit about Samson. The Lord has just given me an intrigue into the life of Samson recently and, and, and his story and his strengths and his weaknesses. And, and, and I'm always encouraged when I read Scripture and I see men like me in there. Now, now, I'd like to tell you that, that, that when I see men like me, it's the successful, uh, always accomplishing, uh, uh, you know, six foot two with the, with the washboard abs, right? That, that guy, I'd like, I'd like to say, but no, that's not what I see in Scripture. Unfortunately, what I see is guys like Peter, who's got a little bit of an attitude problem and draws off his sword and cuts off the ear of the soldier that's trying to mess with Jesus, right? I see, I see this fisherman, this, this seasoned, weathered, rustic, man's man kind of a guy. Now, the man's man kind of thing isn't bad, but all the other stuff kind of is. I, I heard a story just recently. I was listening to a teaching by Bill Heibel, and he was sharing about an incident that occurred and he was in an ice cream store, and, and he saw this uh, family that was just really berating this young boy, and this small, small kid, and the mother and father were just tearing this kid up verbally. He had spilt his ice cream on the floor, took a lick, and it spilled out, and, 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 and these, this family just went off on this little boy. And uh, as the story goes, that he uh, asked the people behind the counter to please put a couple more scoops in a waffle cone instead of a sugar cone. And, 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 and Bill himself had actually gotten a couple scoops of sherbet like the boy had, also had gotten it on a sugar cone. And so he, he gets this extra ice cream and he just hands it to that little boy. And, and, and little kid's eyes lit up like you can only imagine. And, and, and he didn't ask for permission from the parents, which was uh, a little iffy to me. But, but he did this and he hands this little boy this ice cream. And then Bill just, he says his story, he grabs the, the cone and he goes to lick it and when he goes to lick it the ice cream tumbles and drops on the ground just like what happened to the little boy and Bill without skipping a beat says see all the cool guys drop their ice cream on the floor and all of a sudden that little boy was just encouraged and he had been torn up verbally by his parents and all of a sudden he felt you know maybe back human again and, and the parents grabbed the kids hands and off they went 
And of course, Bill's ice cream is now on the floor, so he goes back to the counter, and, and, and he asked for two scoops and a big waffle cone like the little kid. And, uh, and the lady behind the counter said to him, how did you do that? How did you do that? See, we were back here behind the counter thinking about how we might jump over the counter and go ninja on that guy. We wanted to smack him around a little bit and kick him between the legs, and we wanted to pull his hair and scratch his eyes. Like, man, that dude was way out of line. But, but you, 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 you perfectly handled that situation. How did you do that? And Bill said, uh, fortunately for me, I spent an hour this morning in the presence of God I woke up this morning, gave God the first fruits of my day, and I spent time reading and praying and seeking the Lord, and then he felt like I wanted to come by and grab an ice cream, and I just happened to be here, and the girl behind the counter looked at him and said, that's a religion that I could buy into. I've seen a lot of garbage in my life, and I don't really want to associate myself with any, but you know what, brother? What you just did here in this ice cream store, the demonstration of God that you just were, that's something that I'd like to have. Be made whole. Be made whole. I think about the life of, of Peter and, and how much I love this disciple. And, and Peter was a fisherman. He was a rustic guy. He was a man's man. And, and of course, as a fisherman, if any of you in here are, are hunters or, or fishermen, you know, I, I love being around hunters. I, I actually, I, man, I, I mess with hunters big time. I love to hunt. But I mess with other hunters because I always know that every hunter thinks he's the best hunter in the world. And, and, and every fisherman typically thinks they're the best fisherman in the world. They've got the right uh, line. They've got the right hook. They've got the right reel. They've got everything just right. They know exactly how to do it. You've got to know that Peter was that guy. So he'd been out fishing all night long. He didn't catch anything. He got skunked. He was exhausted, tired. He had to be. He had to be disappointed because he didn't catch any fish. And he's a fisherman. And this is how he made his living. He comes into shore, he's washing his nets. This uh, great rabbi, this great teacher uh, comes up and, and, uh, and, and asks him, hey, uh, can I jump in your boat? Will you push offshore a little bit? I've got uh, some things I wanna share with this group. And, and, and his obedience is awesome. He says, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do that. And Peter pushes the boat offshore and Jesus begins to teach. And as Jesus completes his teaching, he leans back to Peter and says, okay, brother, now go ahead and drop your nets. And you gotta know, I mean, again, put yourself in the boat. What are you gonna do in that moment? The great teacher, this, this great rabbi tells you, but you're like, man, come on, bro. I fished all night and, and I did all my moves or like, you know, I, I, I did everything I'm supposed to do to catch fish. I didn't catch nothing. There's no fish out here. But he was obedient and he dropped his net and this miracle occurred. And it began this transformation in Peter. And I don't know what stage of the journey that you might be in in this, in this encounter with Jesus. I know my Jesus story was, man, I was a broken, messed up individual. I was on my way to hell, and I was heading there in a hurry. And then all of a sudden, I knelt down next to my bed. I said, God, if you can forgive me, if you can deliver me from myself, I'm my worst enemy. If you can transform me, I'll serve you the rest of my life. That's my Jesus story. But early in that transformation process, I had all the zeal and all the energy and all the enthusiasm because of this joy of the Lord that was within me. But I had very little knowledge. And that's where it begins. The scriptures refer to this time as our infant season. So Peter begins here with Jesus. Having experienced this miracle, he drops this net over the side. There's this abundance, more fish than he could ever have called in. And he has to call a couple of other boats. And they all get these fish. And when they come to shore, Jesus says to him, follow me. And having experienced this miracle, he agrees. And so Peter begins to journey with Jesus. Jesus. 
He begins to walk with him, and he begins to experience the teachings. Can you imagine being Peter when, when all of a sudden uh, the, 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 man with the, with the, the man that was lame, right? And, and, and Jesus says, stand up and walk, and, and, and he does. And the guy with the withered hand, and he stretches out his hand, and, and it's whole. And the demoniac, right? This guy's foaming at the mouth and wreathing, and everyone's scared to death of this dude, and nobody could pin him down. This guy's bad to the bone. And then Jesus speaks to him, and, and then all of a sudden he's calm, and he's healed. And, and, and he becomes this eloquent, well-spoken individual. And everybody's like, wow, what happened to you? When, when Lazarus is dead and he's wrapped in the grave clothes and Jesus says, come forth. And, and all of a sudden out comes this mummy, right? And, and, and he's obedient. And he wasn't just dead a few minutes, guys. You know the story. He was dead for days. When, when they were in the boat and the waves were tossing the boat and, and the winds were howling and the rain was falling and the disciples were scared to death. The scriptures say they feared for their lives and they got angry. Jesus is sound asleep in the front of the boat and they woke a master. Do you not care that we perish? But then he spoke and, and the winds calmed and the rain stopped and the seas flattened. This is what Peter got to experience. If you've been walking with the Lord a while, you've probably got a Jesus story like that. I do. Many, many miracles I've experienced, crazy things that God has done. 11th hour, no money in the bank, uh, still got checks but nothing behind them and, and don't know how I'm gonna pay the bills and all of a sudden, the suddenlies of God show up because that's just how God is. He is never early. I'm convinced he's got a little Latin in him but he's never late so therefore he can't have any Latin in him. So this is Peter's experience. He's journeyed with Jesus. He's seen these things. And now some of you in this room, maybe that's the phase that you're at in your relationship with Christ. Maybe you've served him for a handful of years. You know, something that really bothers me, I've experienced this a lot in ministry, is you, some, some young person gets saved, right? And, or, or even older person, they get on fire for Jesus, man. They're telling everybody, and their zeal is incredible, and they're running around shouting, you know, and laying hands. They'll pray for anybody. They'll pray for everybody. They just have this incredible childlike faith and then and then us seasoned christians we say oh uh, when you've walked with the lord as long as i have you'll you'll be much calmer you, you you'll be okay you know you just need to season a little bit man that's garbage Maybe some of you are at that place where, uh, and Pastor Mark mentioned in his sermon a couple weeks ago, he talked about, you know, some of you guys might want to curl your toes up because as the Holy Spirit goes up and down these aisles, you're going to step on some toes. Some of us are afraid to pray because we've prayed for things and those miracles haven't happened. I mean, I'll say that again. Some of you are afraid to pray for people because you have. Let me tell you what, I've laid hands on people in hospital beds and they've died. I'm not proud of that. But I've also laid hands on people in hospital beds, and they lived. I was a cancer case. I was a severe cancer case. The doctors looked at me with eyes this big and said, man, we've been doing this a long time. We've never seen a young man with cancer at your level. You're the second worst cancer patient we've ever had. What do you do with that? I cried for a while, I beat myself up for a while, I considered going out and getting drunk, I considered going out and doing drugs, I considered uh, you know, everything angry at God for a little while, and, and then after a couple hours, I realized there was only one move, and that was to crawl up into his lap and say, Father, your kingdom come, your will be done. 
I don't know if I'm done on this earth. If I am, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I'm not done on this earth, then devil, get your hands out of my body. I will receive my healing. I will walk in health. And you know what? Here I stand. God is good. It is not our job to tell God what his will is. It is our job to bring the tithe into the storehouse. It is our job to lay hands on the sick and believe that they will recover. We do our part and trust God to do his. And guess what? No really is an answer. No really is an answer. Sometimes my kids, I remember, I have a gun, I like to hunt, so therefore, you know, obviously I have guns. And, and I can remember when Sean Jr., my oldest son, was a little bit younger, he would come to me and ask me, he had a little BB gun, and he would ask me if he could shoot some of my larger gauge rifles. And, and I would say to him, no. First of all, you squeeze that trigger, you're, 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 man, you're gonna be down the parking lot, dude. That you're, this gun's way more. And, and second of all, you're, you're six. Like, you're not ready to shoot a 308, right? Sometimes a no answer is for our benefit. Sometimes, like, like in, in, in coaching, I think about baseball. I love the game of baseball. It's my favorite game, and, and, uh, and I've coached it for many, many years. My sons play it, and, and I think about the instruction of the game of baseball, and, and if you want to go somewhere in that game, if you want to go into the next level, you're going to have to do things differently than you might want to do things naturally. You might have a hitch in your swing. Your elbow might be too high or too low. You might dip. You might... You your body might be all wrong. It requires direction. It requires instruction. But most importantly, it requires obedience. Coaches will tell you, if they see a kid that is uncoachable, that has more talent than any other player they've ever seen, they will skip him over and pick the guy that they can coach. I've been in training camps where I've watched coaches see a guy that's up to hit, and they will make a suggestion to him that he needs to do something, he needs to make a correction. In this training camp, they're looking at this kid as a potential hire, and they will not take that kid if he doesn't immediately make that correction based on their instruction. This is the word of God, guys. This is what the purpose of the church is. This is the purpose of small group. This is why we have men's ministry. This is why we have women's ministry. These are opportunities for us to be sharpened, for us to get better at the places that we, we this, I want to get there, but I don't know how to get there. And, and so I, I need instruction. So, so we've got this first person who just gets to know Jesus, and he's all filled with energy and life and, and vim and vigor, and, and, and that's Peter when he first gets saved. And, and then we see a little later in the journey that Jesus is walking out on the water, and, and Peter's a little confused. He's not sure that, that it's really Jesus, and he, he says, if it's really you, bid me to come, right? You know the story. It's incredible. I mean, think about that. Have any of you, I've been skydiving. I've jumped out of a perfectly good airplane. That's pretty goofy. I don't know that I recommend that for everybody, but I've done it, right? But I've never tried to walk on water. I've never been out, you know, 100 miles offshore and thought, ah, I think I'll get out and walk around a little bit, stretch out a little bit. But that's what Peter wanted. Jesus, if it's you, bid me to come. So Peter gets out of the boat and he walked on water. Man, I admire that. But guess what happened? He took his eyes off Jesus like we often do. And he began to sink. But just like Jesus did for Peter in that moment, he desires to do for you. And he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. When Peter started to sink, Jesus reached out and grabbed him. 
And that's exactly what he desires to do for you. The story goes on in Peter's life where Jesus begins to say to the disciples, all of you are going to betray me. And Peter says, not me. You got the wrong guy. You see, I've experienced too much. I'm seasoned. I've been with you now. I've been walking. I'm, I'm, I'm mature now. I'm off of that milk, and now I'm on to the meat of the word. Yeah, you see, I've been an usher. I've been a greeter. Uh, I, I've been in uh, a small group leadership. Uh, I might have even been in the band a little bit. I might have put the cones out in the parking lot on Sunday. I served for Easter service. No, you don't understand. I, I'm, 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 I'm never going to deny you. And we know the story. That evening before the rooster crowed three times, Peter had denied him three times. And he looked into the eyes of his best friend, Rabbi, pastor, teacher, savior, and he denied him. Jesus looked over at him and he realized what he had done and Peter ran off. The story goes on. Of course, we know that, that Jesus dies. We know that he raises again. And we know that Peter, because he's human, had to struggle with that betrayal. The scriptures tell us about this and, and says a, a bit later on in, in the book of Acts, we see this, we see where Jesus is now, of course, raised from the dead and uh, he's begun to visit the disciples, but he's not visiting all the disciples. The scriptures mention that there was a few that weren't present. And so you, 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 a little bit later in that story, you see where, where the scriptures say that, that, um, uh, that the, Peter said to his friends, let's go fishing, man. Let's go fishing. Let's go back to what we, what we know. This Christian thing's just not working for me. Uh, I thought I had this relationship with God, but I, I messed up. I thought that I could serve him and be one of his boys, but my flesh got in the way. Has that ever happened to any of you? You ever felt like you let God down in such a way that you just can't recover from it? You ever felt like you've denied him and you just don't think you can go back? So here's Peter, he's out fishing. He's gotta be incredibly unfulfilled. And to top things off, he doesn't catch any fish again. And the scriptures say there's a man on shore, they don't recognize him as Jesus, and he shouts out, cast your net on the other side. You have to know in that moment that Peter's heart begins to leap, right? Not, not because he thinks it's Jesus, Jesus was crucified, Jesus is gone. But, but all of a sudden, those memories of those days when, when he was obedient, those times when he observed the master do these incredible, miraculous things, you, you had to know that all of the history of this beautiful relationship that once was came flashing back into his mind as he's out there on the water. And just for kicks and giggles, he throws the net on the other side. And just as Jesus and only Jesus can do, the nets fill up with an abundance of fish so great they can't pull them up. And all of a sudden, Peter gets this revelation. That guy on the shore, that's my Lord. That's my Savior. Scriptures say that he covers himself up. He jumps out of the boat, begins to swim to shore. When he gets there, Jesus has got fresh fish on the grill. Doesn't get any better than that, right? But you got to know that Peter's feeling pretty guilty. What do, you, what do you say to the man that you completely vehemently denied, that you rejected, you basically spit in his face, right? So what, what do you say? So Jesus serves Peter because that's what Jesus does. Shortly thereafter, they have an incredible encounter. Jesus looks at Peter. He says, Peter, do you love me? Peter says, yeah, I, I do. 
I do. And Jesus waits a minute. He says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, yeah, I mean, I do. Peter, do you love me? And Peter looked at him and said, I do. I love you. I had never seen it this way. Evidently, others have. I mean, literally, this revelation came to me this year, earlier in this year. I believe that Jesus asked Peter three times to kind of help offset the three times that he rejected him. I believe that each one of those I love you's represented a healing like a repentance. But when this hit me, it was like a ton of bricks. I'd never thought of this before. Jesus wasn't asking Peter if he loved him so that Jesus would know if Peter loved him. Jesus is all-knowing. He's all-powerful. He's all-sufficient. He was asking Peter, Peter, do you love me? And, and Peter said, yeah, I do. But gosh, man, yeah, remember what happened back there in the courtyard? Peter, do you love me? Yeah, I do. I do, but please forgive me. I I can't believe I let you down like this. Peter, do you love me? Rabbi, master, savior, I do love you. I believe in that third moment, Peter was healed. I believe he was made whole. I believe in that moment, Jesus revealed to Peter that Peter really did love him, really does love him. And all of us can relate to those times in our lives when we feel like, God, I've let you down. I can't believe I blew it like this. I can't believe I behaved that way. I can't believe I spoke like that. I can't believe, how did I get here how did I got saved when I was nine? I walked with the Lord till my early teens, and then I ran from God for a whole bunch of years. I was raised in Fort Lauderdale, and we had all the spring break stuff going on. I partied like a rock star for a bunch of years, and then I knelt down next to my bed and I was weeping before the Lord, and I said, How did I get here? How did I get so far away? How did I reject you? How did I look you in the face and deny you? And I said, God, if you can forgive me, I believe you can. I don't know that you will. If you'll forgive me, I'll serve you the rest of my life. I was in my early 20s. I'm 51 now. I've ran after God, and a handful of times I've caught him. He's run after me, and he's caught me every time. My heart is to serve him because I love him. Does that mean that he answers all my prayers? Does everything I ask him for get answered? No, not, not in the way that I want it to get answered. But I'll tell you this, as I mature, the things that used to scare me don't scare me as much as they used to because I've been there enough times now to know that God is going to show up. There's been times economically where I've gotten really fearful and gotten really distant from God only to have him show up every single time and bless me in my finances. Every single time. And now, when the finances get tight, thank you, Father, for this seasoned uh, thing that you and I walk through. Because now, when, when finances get tight, I'm like, God, I know you're coming. I don't know how. I don't know how you're going to provide. You're going to show up somehow and show off miraculously like only you can do. But I know that you're coming. You see, this, this walk, this journey that we're on is a maturing process. 
And whether you're here today and you're at the beginning stages of this journey and you've just come to know him, or whether you're at that point where maybe you've served in ministry and maybe ministry hurt you, maybe some pastor who is flesh like me in his flesh moment, like I often do, said something stupid like I often will, and maybe, maybe that hurts you. Maybe somebody in ministry hurts you and you're thinking to yourself, I'm not cut out for this. Please mature beyond that. Seek first the kingdom of God and righteousness and all of these other things will begin to align. And as you mature in Christ, you're, you'll finish the way that Peter did. And we're closing right here. Let me just share with you this last little bit of the, of the Peter story. You see, after he became restored to Jesus, the scriptures are so awesome and they, and they record for us that Peter went on in his latter years to be so incredibly powerful, it's mind-blowing. He was a man whose life was completely and totally changed. He went from denying him to declaring him to the world. In Acts chapter 1, the Holy Spirit gets into Peter and the disciples. In Acts chapter 2, verse 15, Peter declares, These men are not drunk, as you suppose, uh, but this is what was prophesied in the book of Joel, that in the last days I will pour my spirit upon all flesh. Peter is proclaiming and declaring the power-filled word of the Lord. In Acts chapter 3, verse 6, it's Peter who tells the lame man, silver and gold have I none, but what I do have I give to you. This is the same guy that failed when he walked on water, the same guy who denied Jesus, the same guy who said, I love you, I love you, I love you. All of a sudden, he's got this power inside of him, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. Whose footsteps is Peter following now? Jesus. In Acts chapter 4, he's beaten for preaching the gospel, but he says, there is no other name under heaven by which you are saved. I can't stop with my last breath. I'll declare he is Lord. In Acts 5, they brought the sick out in beds and in couches so that even as his shadow fell upon them, they would be healed. Incredible. Powerful. What made this difference in Peter? The cross. Maturity. And what will make the difference in you here today? The cross. Maturity. How could you not want what the Bible has to offer? How could you not want this peace that passes all understanding? How could you not want the calm in the midst of life's storms? How could you not want the blessings that are exceedingly abundantly above all that I could ask or think? How could you not want God's help in choosing a mate? How could you not want God's help in choosing a career path? How could you not want God's help in choosing a home, choosing a car, choosing an investment? God's desire is to give you wisdom and insight. Your desire is to have it. Right? Will you stand? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. What a, what a blessing. I can't imagine how I would find my way without it. Thank you for so perfectly recording these stories of Peter and Paul and all of the disciples, really. Solomon, these, these men that we see experiencing life 
And I, I feel like if the, if the disciples who walked with you and saw the miracles that you do, if they can screw up a little bit, it doesn't really give me permission. But I'm not going to beat myself up and walk in condemnation over it either. Because I know what you can do with a lump of clay. Little becomes much in the master's hands. And so, Father, I pray very specifically for every man and woman here today and those that are viewing abroad, wherever they are in their Jesus story, that they too would be made whole. We can't do that ourselves. We need you for that. Lord, that you would help them physically, that you would help them spiritually, that you would help them financially, that you would help them relationally to be made whole. Father, I pray that you would remove doubt. I pray that you would remove fear. I pray that you would remove heartache and heartbreak from every person under the sound of my voice today. Not because they're my words, but really because they're yours. Father, you are the great physician. You're the great healer. And we ask you, Lord, please touch the hearts and minds, physical beings and finances of every individual in this place today. In Jesus' name. Amen. In the first service, the Lord spoke to me. Um, Pastor Sean, he's a man of seed. He's, he grows stuff. He's got aquaponics, hydroponics. I grow stuff. In fact, I, I got this wasp bite from, I was picking 200 onions yesterday and a wasp came up and said, hi, how you doing? I sent him on to his reward. <laughs> and his friends. But the first service, the Lord just quickened me quickly. It reminded me of a flat I have these flats that I put in my greenhouse. And I plant early so I don't have to use insecticide. Well, one year I planted seeds, onion seeds, and it was still warm. It was a late summer. And those seeds sat there for three weeks and did nothing. And I didn't bless those seeds. I cast them out. <laughs> I put them in the garbage. We had a cold front two nights later. And three days later, guess what's growing out of my garbage can? All these little onions. And it just quickened to me that we know seeds. And it was God who created the seed. Seeds have, some seeds have to be fresh. Some seeds have to be planted in their season. Some of you have placed, and I know I have. I know Pastor Sean has. We've invested and planted things out of season. And it didn't grow. You might have invested into a church, your cell group, a business, a, a love relationship. You may have had the right seed and it was a wrong season, but then we quit and we don't want to do it again. I don't want that rejection. So let's get the healing of the rejection. Some of us need to change our seed. This year I planted Cherokee tomatoes and it's rained for two weeks and they're all splitting open. The toughest tomato in the world to grow, but it's the best tasting. I'm not planning it next year. <laughs> Seasons come and go. Maybe you need new seed to plant, the faith to let it go. Last week, Pastor Peter said, wealthy people invest, average people save. 
plant seeds, that's an investment. And it may not come back. So let us be healed right now. And two men who live by seed. We want, I just, I just want you to know that there's anointing for seed to grow. There's an anointing for seed to grow, and if it doesn't, we go out and find out. He went and got a bunch of college kids. I'm still reading on the internet. He's along, he's way ahead of me. <laughs> There's an anointing for you. So if that's you, you need new seed, you need a new season, maybe a cold front to come through, and what you've already planted is going to come up. What you've thrown away may still have a return. So if that's you, join with us. Father, we speak to the seed that's about to be thrown out. A healing comes to our heart for that which didn't return. And we may have gone out and sowed some bad seeds because we were so disappointed in you, disappointed in our effort, disappointed in the return. But Lord, we're back. And we all say, yes, Lord, I love you. Can you say it with me? Yes, Lord. I love you. Yes, Lord. I love you. You know, Lord. I love you. That seed goes now with an anointing on it, with hope in your heart. Father, we want to thank you for the sacrifice of your son and your people that continue to carry this word. Bless Pastor Sean. Bless the, the church in Winter Garden, Purpose Church. As you bless us, we ask this in Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. Give the Lord a hand. Woo!